Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I talk with Schutz Wies, whose book is called Public Speaking for Engineers. It was recently published by ASCE Press, and we will be talking about why public speaking is such an important part of a civil engineer's career. I know you hear me talk about that to death, but the truth is, is that it's so critical. And Schutz would not give me the whole full story behind his nickname, Schutz, but he does give a lot of good strategies for becoming a powerful speaker. And really, that's what you have to do, in my opinion, if you want to break free and be successful as a civil engineer. The other thing I want to mention is, since Schutz's book was just published by ASCE Press, I do write a blog for ASCE, that's the American Society of Civil Engineers. It's the ASCE Careers and Leadership blog. If you Google it, it will come up, or you can go to ASCEnews.asce.org and look for the Careers and Leadership blog. And I do it in the form of a question. It's called Ask Anthony. So if you ask, I get a million questions from civil engineers, I answer them on that blog. And of course, some of them through this podcast. All right. So before we get into our civil engineering conversation here with Schutz, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. I have some exciting news. PPI, our exclusive exam prep podcast sponsor, is giving away $100 Amazon gift cards every month to our listeners. For more information on how to qualify, make sure to listen to my announcement later on in this episode. Now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation so you get to know him a little bit more before we dive into our conversation. Schutz Vies is a native Montanan, an engineer and actor by accident. He is passionate about football and politics, blessed with a fabulous family and a world traveler. He works in, for, around, cooperatively, and with governments with a particular affinity for Montana, local government, and international affairs, including a five-year term on the Billings City Council. Schutz was appointed to fill a one-year vacancy in Ward 3, joining the Council of Montana's largest city at the age of 30. Wow, that's impressive. On the council, he took an active role in budgeting and infrastructure projects. He also has been named a top 20 under 40 construction professional by ENR Mountain States, a rising star in civil engineering by CE News Magazine, and the outstanding young engineer by the Billings Engineers Club. Schutz is a past president of the Montana section of ASCE and the Billings Engineers Club. He served as liaison officer to the Trade Minister of Australia at the May 2011 APEC meeting in Big Sky, was a 2005 Leadership Montana class member, past chairman of the board of the Yellowstone County Youth Service Center, and was a member of the City of Billings Board of Adjustments. Over the course of several years, he taught introductory algebra and essential math for the trades at MSU Billings in addition to his full-time Position. All right. So before we dive into our conversation here with Shoots, I want to let you know that this week's civil engineering conversation is brought to you by SkySiv. SkySiv is a new and powerful structural analysis software on the cloud that is changing the way engineers work. 
Their software is securely based on the cloud and runs through your web browser, so there's nothing to download, install, or maintain. SkySiv offers subscription-based pricing, so you can even subscribe month-to-month as you need it. SkySiv Structural 3D comes with a full section builder, easy reporting, multiple solve types, plate analyses, and integrated design modules such as AISC 360. For a limited time, SkySiv is offering all of our listeners a free 14-day trial. Sign up for this exclusive offer by visiting www.skysiv.com forward slash coach and try SkySiv today. All right, now it's time to jump into today's civil engineering conversation. Civil engineering podcast. Civil engineering podcast. All right, now it's time for our civil engineering conversation, and I want to welcome Shoots Vies to the podcast. Shoots, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to visit with you. Shoots is the author of the book published by ASE Press entitled Public Speaking for Engineers, Communicating Effectively with Clients, the Public and Local Government. And we're going to dive into kind of public speaking especially in the civil engineering field here with Shoots. But before we get into that, I need to ask Shoots just a few upfront questions. I, I was joking with Shoots before we got on here, telling him that he's the first civil engineer from Montana who's also an actor to come on the Civil Engineering Podcast, which he said back, now I'm probably going to get a string of them. But before we go there, Shoots, I have to ask you, tell me about the name Shoots. Well, it's just an old family nickname that uh, I've had since about high school, but everybody calls me Shoots, even my mom. So, you know, short of maybe legally going down to change my name, it's what everybody knows me. It's nice and it's distinctive and people remember it. So it's good. So there's no like story behind it for you other than? Not one I would want to tell in public or that would get broadcast uh, out over the airwaves. Whenever your mom also calls, it's like cemented. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing is, we heard in your bio that you do some acting. Tell us about that. A number of years ago, I was uh, really contemplating my career as a civil engineer and what I wanted to do. And I had a mentor at the time, and he kind of came and visited with me. And he said, you know, have you ever taken a career test to kind of figure out what it is you want to do? And I hadn't. So I went on the internet and found a couple and took them. And one of the things that popped up was a good career choice for me would be as an actor. Well, that probably wasn't really going to be possible, but I did see a couple of weeks later an advertisement in the newspaper for auditions at the local community theater. And I went and auditioned. I got cast and I had just a wonderful, wonderful time doing it. It's a great outlet for those type of things that, you know, you don't normally run into in civil engineering being out in front of an audience that way and being a part of a group that way. And I just loved it and have been doing it ever since gotten married and had kids. And that's put a little bit of a slowdown on it. But I really did, you know, enjoy being out there as an actor and interacting with the cast and the audience and putting on a a show. So really glad that I did that. I never did actually change my career that way, but it's a great advocation, a good use of my time outside of civil engineering to kind of cultivate uh, different aspects of my personality. So I really do enjoy it. Would you say that there's benefits from the acting in like your engineering career? Absolutely. Learning the teamwork of being in a cast and how all those pieces come together. 
And when you're on a team, a civil engineering team, that can happen. So watching those dynamics and how they play out, certainly along with the public speaking, being comfortable in front of an audience and kind of getting a feel for or sense of how your audience is interacting with you while this is going on. I know it's not exactly the same as in a public speaking role, but you know, when we're on stage, you really have to take your cues from the audience. Are they laughing where they're supposed to laugh? Are they quiet when they're supposed to be quiet? And if they're not doing those things, then what is it that you're doing as an actor that's not bringing that out in the audience? So you really get a sense for those cues. So then as a public speaker, maybe you're, you're making a presentation on a project and you can really get a sense from your audience. Are they really tuned out? Are they listening to me? Am I doing a good job of communicating with them? by looking at that audience and knowing what they're feeling. So I really do think there are some things that can cross over, but it's also a great escape from the day-to-day stresses of civil engineering. And, you know, you can go there and just kind of let your hair down and have a good time. And it's a great stress relief as well. I asked you that question because I've heard that from other people that have had crossover and people that whether they do stand up or they do acting, just which helps them to become more engaging with people, be better at presenting with people. And like you said, honestly, it's a great thing because it gives you an escape. But at the same time, while you're escaping, you're actually working on your career in disguise, so to speak. It's kind of a, a great way to do that. So that being said, let's jump into the public speaking. The first question I have for you is kind of a two-part question. Number one what would make a civil engineer want to write a book? And then secondly, why did the book end up being on public speaking? This actually kind of the second part of your question comes first. I served on the city council here for five years. And uh, during that time, kind of saw the good, the bad, and the ugly of engineers doing public speaking in front of a local government. I had a friend at the time who was organizing a conference, and she asked me, would I be willing to put on a presentation about public speaking at the conference? And it's kind of great timing in that I I was really thinking about that issue at that time. And so I was like, yeah, I would be happy to do that. And there was something that was kind of bottled up in me. And man, I just spewed it out onto a piece of paper. And end of that, I had about 40 pages of stuff. I used it to put together my presentation. It was a well-received presentation and then came back afterwards and probably pumped out another 20 pages. Now, I'll tell you, it wasn't really good stuff, but it kind of got me thinking. I happened to have another friend at the time and her husband was publishing books. So I went and met them and, and he kind of walked me through, okay, this is how you would go about doing it. And so the idea just kind of snowballed from there. So it wasn't something I guess I really set out to do. But it was something that I was passionate about. There was a lot of stuff I wanted to put out there. Now, it took me about 10 years to get the book actually published, and it's changed tremendously from when I started. Without that kind of passion that I have for it, it would have never come to fruition because there were so many hurdles to go over. Probably if I'd have known what I know now from the beginning, I probably would have just given up. But you don't know what you don't know. And so it just every time there was a hurdle, I would overcome it and kind of move on from there. And I really do think it's just because I want engineers to do a better job of public speaking because what we have to say is so important. And so often we don't communicate it well. It leads to bad public policy, bad decision making, and it makes the job of civil engineers harder. 
Shoots, were you being nice when you said the good, bad, and the ugly? Was it really the bad, the worse, <laughs> and the ugliest? There are a couple of engineers that addressed us on a pretty regular basis who'd been doing it for probably 30, 35 years. I suppose over the course of trial and error, they had gotten to the point where they were pretty good at knowing what the council wanted to hear. But, I mean, there was some stuff that was just absolutely brutal to sit through. And, you know, I'm an engineer and I'm interested in this stuff three minutes in of an important engineering study and I'm already checked out because the presentation is just so bad you can't even listen to it. Let's jump into this a bit. You mentioned a couple things already, but speaking from the perspective of civil engineers, why is public speaking, in your opinion, so important? It's so important because that is how you're going to communicate with your audience, no matter whom your audience may be. You know, the toughest audience you're going to find is just the general public because you've got such a wide range of people sitting in that audience, but you also have city council members or maybe members of the state legislature or some sort of other district that's trying to do it that may, you know, have some understanding of engineering, but the reason they hired you is because they need your expertise in engineering. But if you can't relay the details and communicate the details of that project with them, they're ultimately going to be the ones that are spending that money. They want to be able to explain to people who ask them about that, why did you spend all that money on this particular project? And if you can't explain it that way, it makes the engineer's job more complicated and it makes the other people's job more complicated. Whereas if you can explain it to them in a way that they understand that maybe is not you know, super technically detailed, that's okay. They hired you, the engineer, to provide the super technical details, and they did it because they thought you were qualified to do it. They didn't hire you to explain those super technical details to them. They hired you to move that project along so that they can understand it. It's such an important communication thing from engineers to their audience. They can make them understand what that project is like so it can move forward and everybody knows what the ramifications are, what the costs are, what the timeline is. If we change this, what's going to happen? Those type of things. When those pieces go missing, I've just seen it derail and projects slow down. Projects don't get built. Projects cost a lot more than they needed to just because there was that lack of communication between the engineer and the audience that they're talking to. To build on what Schutz said right there in that your clients are hiring you as a civil engineer to get their projects approved, ultimately move their projects forward not to be able to present and talk about it. But at the same time, if you can effectively present and talk about it, then you become an above average civil engineer or you differentiate yourself because most civil engineers, and not to talk bad about civil engineers, I mean, listen, we're both civil engineers. We're trying to help civil engineers, just not going to be an above average speaker, which is why personally, I always preach to engineers of all types to develop your speaking skills because it's going to put you in that percentile where there's not a lot of people. That always means good things. It does. And, you know, I talked a little bit earlier when we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly, there was some good. Well, we saw that engineer all the time. The people that hired that engineer, they sat in the audience too, and they saw that he could communicate well with us. And so they were more likely to go hire him. They wanted to hire him because they knew he could move their project along. He could get their project done because he was such an effective advocate for that project in front of an audience. It really did set him apart. His firm did very well. He did very well. 
it was definitely a feather in his cap that he could say, you know, I'm really experienced at this and I'm pretty good at it. And here's the results. And everyone knew that that was true. And I'm just going to add here a few points from my own experience as a civil engineer as to why public speaking skills are important for civil engineers. And I'll let Shu comment on them. But a couple that come to mind is business development for sure. I know for me, when our company did well presenting in front of planning boards, we often would get inquiries on new business from developers in the room or other people in the room that saw the way we were presenting as opposed to the way their technical professionals presented. So that's definitely could be a source of business development. I mean, listen, your reputation, like when you get up in front of a room and you speak, that's you. That's your reflection upon you. It's a reflection upon your company, the branding of your company. So that's very important. Shoots already mentioned policy. Civil engineers are instrumental in policy. If you can't present, then that could affect that. And then another one that comes to mind that happened to me a few times is the effect that you have on the community. I had a project where I saw that an engineer almost failed to get a vacant, a large vacant building, an old car dealership, basically a a wholesale supply store wanted to come into town, take over the building and use it again and bring jobs and bring tax base to town, right? And all this stuff. Redevelop it, probably make it look a lot better. Yeah. Make it look better, make it look nicer. And because the engineer's inability to present They almost didn't get it done. I mean, luckily, the planning board was smart enough to say, we want this company in town and we're going to work with them and get it done and make sure it gets done right. But I mean, these are the kind of things that could happen that could impact the community if we don't know how to speak. It's true. And when I was on the city council, there were a couple of times that I had to save the engineer from themselves. They were doing the engineering correctly. But they couldn't, you know, some of the neighbors had small objections to what was going on and wanted to make some changes that were going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to the project, probably extending the project. And the engineer couldn't communicate with us well enough to say, okay, well, I get that this is going to be a slight inconvenience for the neighbor, but do you understand it's going to cost the city in the long run half a million dollars to make this change? And he couldn't even get there. So, I mean, I just stopped and said, okay. And I turned to the other council members and said, here's what's going to happen. Here's what it's going to be. I feel for the neighbor that they're going to have an inconvenience, but do you guys really want to have this amount of money taken on the budget if we do it this way? And then the light could kind of come on and they're like, oh, well, no, we're sorry, Mr. Smith, that you're going to have to deal with this, but we're not going to make that decision. So there are real life consequences to not being able to communicate. All right. So at this point, shoots, I'm a civil engineer. I'm listening to this episode. I'm saying, all right, I'm excited. This is great. This is going to be a path to more success for me, my firm, my projects, my clients. How do I get better? What do I do? I think the first thing you got to do is acknowledge you have a problem. And then you got to consciously work on these skills. It's not something that you're probably going to do overnight, but you're going to have to start thinking about, it's my turn to go in front of the planning board or whichever person I have to go in front of. My speech can't be planned, you know, half an hour before the presentation and PowerPoint presentation loaded up with a bunch of bullet points. Let's take some time to plan for the presentation. Let's take some time to design the presentation and let's probably take some time to practice the presentation. And let's look for opportunities over the course of the next two to three years to really do this a number of times to do an assessment of what I'm doing. Maybe when you make that presentation, 
you turn the recorder on your phone on so you can listen to how it sounded when you got done. Maybe there's a, a colleague that can videotape it for you and you can look at it. Maybe you can set up some meetings in your office to practice the presentation before you give it and just kind of do that ongoing assessment of my skills, looking for ways to improve those, looking for ways to improve your planning, your design, and your delivery of your presentations so that you're paying attention to it and getting better and better over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you don't pay attention to it and you think that that crammed together presentation that you're giving is doing the job, then you're never going to get better at it. It's just something you've got to pay attention to. Yeah, I think one of the things that I would add is in the beginning of our chat where Shoots talked about acting and how it had some spillover and was some helpful. There are ways to improve your public speaking skills outside of work, which actually make it even easier because let's be honest, you might not have a lot of time during your workday, but your church, you're doing readings at your church, you're volunteering at your children's school, you're coaching. Shoots, I know you've done some coaching, sports coaching. Anything that puts you in front of a room, I don't care if it's two people, five people, 10 people, 100 people, whatever it is, it's making you get up in front of the room and speak. And I always recommend a membership with Toastmasters International for engineers that I've helped coach and they've had a lot of success with it. But the bottom line is, is you just need to keep doing it as much as possible. Listen, the one thing about Shoot's book that is great is it breaks down the presentations as well, right? Shoots you get into the introduction, the planning, the design of the talks, the delivery. And I think that one of the things that we don't do enough as engineers is the preparation for the talks. We think we can wing it. One of the things I, going back a little bit to, you know, practice, one of the things I remember most about the first time I went on stage in a, in a production is, you know, it was actually the dress rehearsal for my first show. And, you know, it had been so much fun up to that point, but finally came to the realization that, man, there's going to be people out there. The anxiety, the butterflies in my stomachs really started welling up. And I just kind of embraced that and said, hey, this is why you're here. This is why you're doing it. And so that anxiety can be very daunting. But I can tell you that over time, after every show that I did over the course of years of being an actor on stage, that little bit of butterfly in your stomach never goes away right before you step on stage, but it is a thousand times less than what it was before. Now I kind of look for it and embrace it and like, hey, it's go time. Let's get out there. Let's have a good time. I can feel it in my stomach that this anxiety is rising. Let's go out there and have a good time. And, and I've learned to embrace that part of it. But that's where it, over time, when you're doing those little things, you're really going to let that anxiety that you have about public speaking you can bottle it up and you can really put it in its place and not let it paralyze you when you have to step out in front of a group. So every time you can go out there, it's a good thing. One thing that I'll add there, and I learned this through Toastmasters myself. If you're not familiar with Toastmasters International, it's a nonprofit association that's very inexpensive that helps people to work on their skills. What it taught me, I think is a misnomer that a lot of people still believe, is that public speaking is not a skill that you're either born with or you're not. It's a skill that you can develop. And as Schutz just said, you get less nervous. So in Toastmasters, they call it the idea of desensitization, meaning that the more times you do something, the more comfortable you become at it. Well, it works with public speaking. And I say this because I think a lot of people, a lot of engineers that I talk to just say, oh, that's not my thing. I'm not good at that. And what I would say to you is that when I started, I mean, I've spoken now with my book in over 30 states from Maine to Alaska. And when I started speaking, I was a disaster. I mean, I was so fast. You couldn't understand what I was saying. I was all over the place. 
And it's just literally practice like and everything, even the podcasts help because I'm in conversations with people and all these things help. So the point is, is that you got to do it. And the more you do it, you will get better. It's not a skill that you're born with or you're not born with. You can improve. So let's get a little bit into more into the mechanics shoots. And one of the things I want to talk to you about is in civil engineering, we do a lot of presentations around projects in front of boards and governments and agencies. And we use props, like we use maps, we use color-coded maps, we use renderings. I know that in some of my projects, we had to bring like different paver types and siding colors of buildings for people. Talk about visual aids and how they can benefit your talk and how does the right way to use them maybe. One of the things I just would start with when we talk about visual aids is so often what you see is people using their visual aids not as a tool, but what they think is making them a successful presentation. And the analogy I like to use is there's all kinds of software out there that you can use to, to design a bridge. But if you don't know what that software is doing to design that bridge, you're going to design a terrible bridge. And if you think you can you know, put together a good public presentation just because you've got some bullet points on a PowerPoint slide or a few things to show the audience, that's not preparing for your presentation. You're using it as a crutch rather than a tool. So there really is a difference between what those visual aids need to be as a tool, as a way to help you out. Because picture is worth a thousand words. And a lot of times it's so much easier to show somebody a picture of what that car dealership is going to turn into. You've got to have those with you, but that doesn't mean you don't need to be prepared to give a, a presentation that you haven't gone through the process and maybe even practice it a couple times before you get out there. The visual aids are helpful. You know, they should be well-designed. They should meet the needs of the audience and the speaker, but they're not designed to be the presentation. They're not designed to be the teleprompter as you read through the slides or, heaven forbid, just read off a, a packed slide. That's the worst kind of presentation you can do. You need to make sure that those visual aids that you bring with you and that you use are an aid. They're a tool to help you really communicate your message with the audience and let them understand what's going on. They should be a helpful way to communicate your message to the audience. A lot of times in what we do in civil engineering, they're very important so that people conceptualize what you're trying to tell them, but they can't be a substitute for preparing for your presentation and delivering a presentation that your audience understands. We talked a lot here so far about presentations with boards and agencies and things of that nature and some of the things you can do. And I think also the idea of the PowerPoint is such a big deal today. We actually did a podcast interview on the Engineering Career Coach podcast sometime back with a woman named Melissa Marshall. She works with scientists and engineers on their presentations, and she has a TED Talk, over 2 million views, called Talk Nerdy to Me. And it's about, as a technical professional, how to get your points across. And one of the things that she talked about in the interview quite a bit was using less words on your slides and more photos and telling more stories. And I've started to do that myself, and it's been real big impact on my presentations and the way they're received. And I think that that's to Shoot's point is you're not using the PowerPoint as a crutch and reading through sentences or reading through bullets. You're telling a story and you're engaging your audience and you're giving them some tools to bolster the story as opposed to something that is the entire gist of what you're trying to get across to them. 
just keep in mind, as Shoot said, that your visual aid should be tools, I think, to help drive the point home and not just a crutch that you think you're going to go in there. And because you have that, you're going to be successful. The other thing that I would say is if you do have a PowerPoint, let's say, or a map or a plan, have a backup plan. So in other words, just pretend you got there and you forgot your map in the office or your PowerPoint projector is not working for some reason. You should still be able to deliver the presentation. This happened to me when I did a talk at the University of Memphis for the engineering students. I had my handouts and I get up there and they're like, I'm sorry, but our projector's not working. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, geez. But luckily I had given the presentation three times that week already. So it was so into my brain that I was able to pretty much deliver it without it. But that made me think that you need to really be ready either way to tell your story and get your point across regardless of what you have. Well, and I'm guessing, you know, once you ran into that situation, because your presentation had been become about the stories and the stuff that goes with it, it's A, it's going to make it easy for you to remember it. B, your audience is going to be engaged because storytelling is our natural way of communicating. And so, yeah, the projector went out, but you still were able to make your presentation. It probably wasn't quite as effective as if you had those visual elements with you, but it was still an effective presentation and you were still able to communicate with that audience what you were there to communicate them with. Exactly. That's the whole key. We're going to jump in here to our CE Hot Seat segment and Pepper Shoots with a last few questions. Before we do that, let me just mention again his book, which is Public Speaking for Engineers. It's by ASCE Press. It's really dynamite. It's got a, it breaks down, like I said, how to intro your speech, the planning, the design, the delivery. And obviously you could tell from talking with Shoots here that he's had a lot of hands-on experience and he's seen so many engineers present that he's collected these ideas into this compilation of the book. So Shoots, you up for a few questions here? Yes, absolutely. All right, let's do it. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation there with Shoots and you picked up some good strategies that you can use to improve your public speaking. But before we let Shoots go, now we're going to pepper him with some professional development questions in our CE Hot Seat segment, which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. If you're preparing for the civil PE exam, you probably know that the Civil Engineering Reference Manual by Michael Lindeberg is the book to use. Michael Lindeberg is actually the founder and president of PPI the leader in FE and PE exam prep. PPI has new prep courses available for the civil PE exam that offer complete coverage of not only the morning breath exam, but also your choice of afternoon depth exams. The course presents over 60 hours of new content and walks you through tons of exam-like practice problems. When you enroll in the live online prep course, PPI also includes on-demand lectures for free. So you could start studying while you wait for the course to begin. Through October 2017, PPI will be choosing two of our podcast listeners per month to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you enroll in this course. To enter the raffle, visit www.ppitopass.com forward slash civil prep. Again, that's www.ppi, the number two, pass forward slash civil prep. From there, you'll need to choose your course and check out. On the checkout page, enter the promo code PREP and then complete your enrollment. Again, you need to enter the promo code PREP before completing your enrollment to qualify for the gift card. You'll be notified on the first of the month if you won the $100 gift card. 
I used PPI for my PE exam prep, so I feel confident in recommending that you check out this prep course. Plus, you could win $100. Good luck. All right, so we're back here with Schutz Wies, and we are taking him through the civil engineering hot seat segment here. First question, Schutz, are there any specific rituals you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime ritual, things that you do consistently on a daily basis that contribute to you being successful as a professional? I am a big list maker. I have a to-do list on my desk at all times. I wouldn't necessarily say I do a to-do list every day, but I do check it every day and I would do one at least once a week. So it really just keeps you on task. These are the things that I need to try and accomplish this week. It kind of makes you help you get through that week to say, okay, here's what I want to get done. Here's how it fits into the overall scope of what's going on. And I hope by the end of the week, A, B, C, D, and E are done. I can cross them off the list. And then usually Friday afternoon, I'll sit down and make the list for next week. So you can come in on Monday and have a good sense for what that week's going to look like and the tasks you need to accomplish in that week. Next question, besides your own book, what's one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional and or personal development? I would answer that by saying the book I would recommend is the next one by another author. I read wide and deep and try to really expand the books that I'm reading across the spectrum from fiction to nonfiction but to just read a variety of all the different ones. I don't have one particular book that I go back to over and over and over again, or one that I find sticks out that's meaningful, but I'm always looking for that next book on a topic that I'm interested in. Well, let me ask you this then, Shoots, as a follow-up to that. When you do, because I'm a pretty avid reader myself, when you decide what books to read, What's your basis for doing it? Is it just random or do you have things you want to focus on? How do you make that decision? Yeah, I have a few things that I focus on. Usually if it's a book that's maybe recommended by a friend or my wife is an avid reader too, so she'll recommend books. I really like to read about Montana and what history and the stuff that's going on in Montana. So that those are kind of ones. And then I guess I have a, you know, a list of probably a dozen authors. And when those have books that come out, or if I can get into those books, I will read those authors that I really like. So I try to really vary it up. I really do kind of look for, there's not a ton of them out there, but if there's stories about engineering and how that has happened over time, I really do look for those type of books. So I have a pretty vast interest in different books. And I think it helps, you know, you to kind of maybe put some of those two and twos together that you wouldn't necessarily see when you focus on any one particular area. Yeah, for sure. And the reason I ask you that question is because I'm an avid reader and and lately the last year, year and a half, I've been thinking more to myself. Yeah, I've been paying more attention to how I'm deciding on what to read and I'm trying to make sure that it ties back to what my goals are. Like if I want to be a better speaker, then I should probably read Shoots book, Public Speaking for Engineers. But if I want to become better at goal setting, I should get the best book on goal setting. So it's just something that I'm trying to get better at myself as opposed to just seeing a nice looking cover on Amazon and buying the book. I'm trying to bring it back to what makes sense. Yeah. And definitely while I was writing the book, those books on public speaking, you know, would kind of go to the forefront, certainly on my reading list when I would find one that I thought was relevant. 
I would definitely dive into those type of books while that was going on. So there was a time when that was a real focus. And I can see where you're, if this is a topic that's interesting to you, I want to focus on books in that area. I don't know that I consciously do that, but maybe subconsciously I do. Yeah, because I mean, listen, reading a book is a time investment. I mean, I think there's a lot of value in reading fiction as well. I think it's calming. I think it's enjoyable, but either way, it's an investment. So I got one final question here for you, Shoots, which we call the civil engineering career elevator advice question. So if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and had to give them career advice in that short period of time, what would it be? I think probably find a professional association and put as much time and effort into it as you can. You're going to get out of it as much as you can, whether it's ASCE, which I'm very involved with, or APWA or ACEC or any number of those professional organizations that allow you to really network within the profession, really learn what's going on within the profession and get to know some people uh, within the profession. The sooner you can do that, the better off you're going to be in like I said, what you put into it, you will get out of it, if not more. Well, Shoots, thank you for joining me here today on the podcast. Where can our listeners connect with you? Probably the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Search for Shoots Vies. I'm also on Twitter at Shoots Vies, and those are probably the best places to find me. The book, I think, is on the ASCE Press website. I know you mentioned it a couple of times. So if you go to the ASCE bookstore, I'm sure you can find it from there. All right. So please remember that you can find the show notes for the episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 64. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. Until next time, I wish you all the best in your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success. 